Hello and welcome to the J Rod Tour Pod with me, James Robson, and me, Ollie Dix. So today, Ollie and I are going to be having a look back at, I think, what can be classified as the Queen Stage of the Tour de France. Officially, I think. Officially, the Queen Stage of the Tour de France, and an absolutely savage climb to finish the day, which saw a GC shakedown beyond belief. So let's jump straight into the conversation that Ollie and I are having about Stage 17 of the Tour de France. Right, Ollie. So Miguel Angel Lopez won. I mean, what was an absolute savage day in the seat, uh, day in the saddle for the guys. But Primoz Roglic extended his lead in the race, um, pulling away uh, from Tadej Pogacar going up the last climb. I mean, it was a day that I really hoped Richard Carapaz would get to the end because he was putting in an absolute shift to keep that group behind him. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, if anyone hasn't, uh, you know, like watched those, I would recommend watching the last 30k. Like, simply because all the commentators talk about after they finish that first climb, and it was Alaphilippe, Carapaz, Izaguirre, uh, and was it Dan? Dan Martin. Dan Martin. Like, all they were like, oh, it needs to be six minutes if they're going to hold on. Like, and probably needed to be, but Carapaz put in a real shift and actually just kept going. And like at times, it did not look like he was gonna, um, you know, get caught. But unfortunately, then the moment the GC race kind of opened up, it then that gap quickly like cut down, Came didn't out. it? Yeah, I mean, it was a terrifying descent down the Madeleine. Uh, it was seriously, seriously fast coming yeah. down there I mean at one point as the cameras cut away from the front group descending you just saw Carapaz like hanging his back wheel out around the corner um, some seriously sketchy stuff with Alaphilippe who's known as one of the best defenders you know on the, uh, on the entire tour yeah it was a lot of like lefts then straight rights yeah and I think that that switch and then switch back like that was what makes it dangerous and that was why a lot of guys I imagine didn't always feel like their their back wheel was uh you know going with them yeah I mean and then going up that final climb it was a day that Mikel Landers uh Bahrain Merida were doing a lot of work to try and see if they could blow through Jumbo Visma's team and actually they really nearly did it I mean the only one that Roglic was left with at the end was Seb Kuss. And we were just, they had so many numbers going into the bottom of the um, Col de la Luz, going up to Mirabel. But then, as Merida was sat on the front, it was just like another jumbo rider out the back. Another jumbo rider out the back. Dumoulin looked like he was really struggling, and then he went out the back. Yeah, for sure. And it was it was so interesting to see that actually that a team that we've praised so much has a limit. Oh, for sure. And I think... I think we saw Bennett go and we were like, okay, like, fair enough. Like, Bennett's a good climber in that group, but he's already done a lot of work. But when Wout van Aert got kicked out of that group, we were very much like, well, okay, this is some serious pace. Because at times, like, you just expect him to always be involved for the stage victory. And then when Dumoulin got dropped, it was like, like here we go, sports fans. Like, it's just Roglic and Sepkus. And then, like... It just, yeah, Sepkus looks like he only joined the group at the bottom of yeah, the, he the last climb. Yeah, he super strong. 
but then like almost just did his job and then just dropped back and still looked fresh. It was surprising yeah. that he dropped back when he did. Um, but yeah, like ultimately, that's what happens when you have such, uh, you know, strength and depth that actually you can let Wout van Aert go, you can let Dumoulin go, who have, you know, blown that GC group apart. And then actually you still have Sepkus there, who is, look like the strongest one out of any of them. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think, unfortunately, I think for, for Bahrain is that actually... I think they almost did too much damage to themselves. Yeah, Lander they probably overcooked it. it. And once Lander was basically on his own, he was he was done for really. Unfortunately, he looked like he was struggling up the up the latter parts of that climb, which is a shame because he looked so fresh at the bottom. Yeah, like you thought, okay, like they've really done this well. But I think you forget how hard. I don't think I've ever climbed twenty one k's, like. In oh, one, in one, in one thing, but you like can imagine how hard that is. Like forty-five minutes at like threshold, yeah, like is just heinous. And then like going up the final bit of the climb, um, Miguel Angel Lopez goes off the front. Seb Kuss goes with him, and then Seb Kuss drops back a little bit, leaving Lopez out there to try and bridge the gap over to Roglic. Pagacha gets dropped a little bit, tries to stay on Roglic's wheel, finally works his way up, but there was one final kick up, which was sort of 18% or something. Heinous. And Pagacha just couldn't hold on, so uh, lost a handful of seconds, but no, nothing too dramatic. You know, it probably it would, it takes him up to um, 57 seconds behind. So and Still doable, I think. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think especially with a stage like there is tomorrow, which is in no way easy, some of those guys tomorrow are going to absolutely feel this in their legs from the get-go. Definitely. And, like, you then have to question, actually, yeah, do you, was Bahrain's intentions to bin them today so that actually tomorrow they are beatable? Yeah. And, I mean, I think potentially Adam Yates... Um, Adam Yates' hopes of a podium I would say are probably done he's now 1 minute and uh, 48 seconds behind Miguel Angel Lopez who's in 3rd place Richie Port's in the middle um, It's interesting you say that because I think Port is very much in with a shout He's such a time trial specialist that this time trial on Saturday might suit Yeah. Um, whereas Yates is, is not, not as much into that I mean you know, it, it's a. It was a fascinating, fascinating day, but it doesn't end here. We've got a day tomorrow with 4,000 metres of climbing. It's 168k of mountains. I mean, it's going to be another absolutely savage day. It, it's not a summit finish, but there are going to be some tired, tired legs in there. Oh, for sure. And it, like, I think I'd be very surprised if Carapaz doesn't have the red numbers again. And it wouldn't surprise me if he goes on a breakaway again. It's quite refreshing to see this Ineos team kind of no holds barred. Let's just take a punt and see. I know this is going to sound strange, but it's so exciting to let some of the best riders in the world off their leash and go, right, go have some fun. And I think we forget, like, Carapaz won the Giro last year. Yeah. Like, he is a rider when in form. He looked, at times, he looked bloody good going up that last climb. Oh, yeah. And, like, you were like, right, okay, like, almost it annoyed me a little, like, where was this form earlier on? 
Yeah. You know, definitely. like he had the pace to go up those mountains with the other guys, but actually, you know, it was a bit of a shame. But ultimately, like, like you said, you were right. Bernal dropped out before the start. Yeah. Um, and it's it's going to be even more refreshing for these last is it five stages for um, Team Ineos to to have some fun a little bit, which is not something we usually get to say. Yeah, I think it. Yeah, you know, obviously it's sad that Bernal has has pulled out, and but it, I I don't know whether it's. Do you think it's a cop out? I think you have to ask the question. Do you not? You do have to ask the question. I think, uh, and I want so, an answer. It's so difficult. I. I want to say no because the back was something that was worrying him before. So you want to say no, but are you saying no? Yes, I'm saying no. Really? Yeah. I I I'm I believe him. Do you? Uh, no. You think it's he just? I think when it comes to teams like that who are that clever, that researched, that well, you know, if they knew about his back but going into it, then why did they leave G at home? Or go and let G do do the other tour, you know. Like I think if they if this was an issue, then they wouldn't have risked it. We saw what they did with Froome as someone that like you know who like they already knew an issue was there, so they didn't bother going through it. I think this is a cop out that okay, like it freshens him up. Actually, this is going to be a savage week of racing. Is it going to do more damage than it is good, especially to his mental side of it? I think we forget about that. Like, how hard would it be for him to now get dropped every single day and just, like, roll home, basically? And also, when you're 22, 23 years old, like, that's... You know, some of these older, more hardened veterans, if they get dropped every day, they're like, well, that's well, just cycling. Whereas yeah. he's he's still in a position where he's come in, he's, he, you know, he was a mountain biker, so he's come in, made such an impact on the sport. Not really used to this. Not really had to earn his stripes as much. He's just sort of suddenly been at the top. Well, you could argue that he almost accidentally won last year. Yeah, definitely. Right, so turning our attention then to tomorrow, um, uh, we've mentioned it already, 4,000 metres of climbing, 168... Uh, 168k. 75. Um, oh, 175k. Category 1, Category 3, Category 2, Category 3... Beyond categorization, with bonus seconds at the end, that's going to be huge. That's a short, steep one. Six k, eleven point two percent. That means there's going to be some seriously steep kicks in there, and then a little kick up, but a, a downhill finish. Not one for a bunch sprint, definitely, which we would say normally for um, descent finishes. But one, if a breakaway can be at the top over that beyond categorization climb they might have a chance but i think those bonus seconds are going to draw a gc race into it yeah and unfortunately like 30k from the finish like it doesn't really seem like it's something where a gc guy could then go on from his own do you, someone who i think might give that a go is someone like yates but, but yates unfortunately is a G- i think is a he's too close yeah i know i know but like it's a stage you would go yeah yates here have this you know I think as soon as they get over that um, last climb, someone will make a silly descent out of it, go heinously fast on that on that drop down, and then we'll take it all the way to the end. Uh, one final prediction. How many riders are in the main peloton when we go over that final beyond... The yellow cap- jersey group. Yeah. Because we saw today there was, what, five left at the end? Yeah, yeah. I think no more than 20. Really? 
Yeah. So, but enough for someone to like potentially go for a breakaway. Yeah, I think there'll be someone in there who will, while everyone is hesitating, coming over the crest, will bomb it. Or give someone like Wout Van Aert an opportunity to go and win another stage or something like that. Or even Sepkus, guys that are really far behind. Because like Valverde and Dumoulin are like ninth and 10th. Yeah. And so actually you still don't want to let them go. Right, so thank you very much for listening to that episode of the J-Rod tour pod looking back at a mega stage on the Tour de France join us tomorrow night when we're taking a quick look back at another pretty savage day in the saddle for everyone but until then please make sure that you be a friend and tell a friend about the J-Rod Sports Pod